I couldn't tell you who Ireland's starting central midfield is, but I'd be surprised if Wes wasn't good enough. How secure is Koeman? He's as secure as a cobweb in the wind. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. The OTB Podcast Network. You ain't shit! I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. My fans can be the harshest critics, you know. They often are. A wife is often the harshest critic of her husband. <laughs> I thought I was invincible. That's what you're, you're trained to believe as a sports person. There was four million people in Ireland who knew much more about managing <laughs> football teams than I did. When it comes to music, I can spoof it the best. Your sporting career is the best time you'll have, and, you know, you have to hang on to it for as long as your life, because everything else is pretty crappy. And this is not lies. Stephen Rochford has never spoken to Jimmy McGinnis in his life. And you're welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you through until five. You can text us on 53106. We're streaming the conversation as well. So, as well as listening on News Talk, you can watch us on the Off the Ball social channels for Periscope on Twitter, at Off the Ball on YouTube and on Facebook, and also on the OTB Sports app. This is the Saturday panel. In 2001, there was a real novelty in the GAA All-Ireland Senior Football Championship as it was the first year of a second chance, the qualifiers after over 100 years. So Kerry and Dublin met in the quarterfinals in Thurlis. Bank Holly began in August. There was a match which was drawn and then Kerry won the replay. Tomorrow the counties meet again at Semple Stadium because Dublin have to play that match there in the league because of what happened uh, at Inish Falls. A lot has gone under the bridge in two decades. So to look back and to preview tomorrow's game in the league between these two great counties in Gaelic football, we're delighted to be joined by Dublin's All-Ireland winning defender Paul Curran, uh, the Kerry's All-Ireland winning forward Mike Frank Russell and the GA correspondent of the Irish Independent Cullum Keys. And Paul, uh, just to start with you, the landscape in 2001, you'd have grown up watching the dubs in Kerry uh, but you'd never met them before in the championship. No, I was I was coming to the end, John, uh, in 2001. Uh, I'd played 12 seasons and uh, never came across Kerry uh, in the championship. So it was certainly a, a novel game. And, you know, Kerry were the All-Ireland champions at that time, had, had won another one in 97. So they were a very experienced team. Um, and the fact that it was brought to Torless, um, I mean, added to the occasion. We had the, the mayhem the first day with so many dubs not getting there to late. Uh, and then obviously the way the game went, um, Kerry and command for, for lots of it. And then we nearly stole it at the death. Um, so, you know, great occasion. Uh, one that, you know, I suppose the Kerry boys remember more fondly than, than, than us, but still it didn't take away from the, the, the two occasions. Mike Frank, I suppose when you're thinking about back then, it was Kildare, it was Cork, it was Galway who were on your radar, not Dublin. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, I think my my own career, I think I only played Dublin two or three times in the championship, but obviously that's all changed now. They're meeting on a regular basis. Um, 2001 was my first time meeting them in the championship as well. We had a few great battles with Galway the year before, but I think the fact it was in Torla still, it was a novelty. Um, if I recall, the first game was put back a half an hour because the, the crowd's coming in from both sides. But uh, yeah, and hard to believe it's 20 years. But um, great occasion and something great to look back on. But uh, then we had the replay there again as well, of course. But fantastic occasion. It's great now to look back on it. But uh, at the time, yeah, it was now because it was our first imp- as a team ourselves meeting Dublin, as Paul said, they're coming across each other. But um, 
it's it's happening on a regular basis now though I'm sure Mike and Paul you can still do a job in the club game absolutely no problem uh, <laughs> even 20 years on Cullum uh, this was completely novel over 100 years of GA and we have these qualifiers in, in 2001 yeah, I suppose there had been moves towards it, John, and I say hello to Paul and Mike as well while I'm while I'm there. Um, yeah, there had been there had been moves a couple of years beforehand. There were uh, football review committees, and uh, they came up with a very very radical proposal. I think around 1999, which was rejected. But then another committee looked at it and conceived the idea of qualifiers. And to be honest, my recollection of them were there was a lot of opposition a lot of opposition to them and really it probably didn't take off until this game by by my recall it didn't really really light up there was a there was actually there was one game between Westmeath and Mayo I think down in Roscommon a half built Roscommon at the time Hyde Park was under under reconstruction and that lifted it a bit and then came the draw and the draw was a bit of a damp squib for that, for those All Ireland quarterfinals, they were the first All Ireland quarterfinals, of course. But they were a bit of a damp squib because they put three, they there were three provincial championship repeats. Tyrone, Tyrone had beaten Derry earlier in the Ulster Championship. Roscommon had shocked Galway in the Connacht Championship, and Meath had just about beaten West Meath, and they were all drawn together. But the outlier here was Dublin and Kerry because they hadn't met for 16 years after meeting so often between 1975 and 1985 they didn't meet for uh for for 16 years which was most unusual in the in the storied history of Dublin Kerry obviously through the through the 60s they wouldn't have met so much in the 50s they did and in the 70s and into the 80s they did but nothing for 16 years because obviously Dublin had mead on their doorstep a very dominant mead for the best part of a decade and a half in in Leinster and Cork had really become strong opponents. They they obviously won three after uh, after eighty six and won four more then at the beginning of the nineties. So there was a lot of dominance there for Meath and Cork. So really, Kerry had only kicked on when Paddy O'Shea came back in as manager in nineteen ninety six and they won a Munster title and followed up with an All Ireland. They had become dominant, but after nineteen ninety five, Dublin didn't so much fall off a cliff, but. They certainly, they certainly uh, struggled uh, in in the years after that to to repeat that, and obviously the team changed. And really, there was yeah. a, there was almost a tragic element about Dublin because they conceded the two goals against Kildare uh, before that uh, in the Leinster fi- in the Leinster final in two thousand, and then they arrived in Thurrock. And really, I don't think anyone expected Dublin to put up a very very strong challenge against the All Ireland champions. And as it happens, they did, and it made yeah. for a great occasion. And it really electrified the qualifiers. So, Paul, orange trains, Nokia phones, no Twitter, no smartphones, um, maybe issues with Google Maps and the journey. Uh, what was the journey like down to Thurles? What was the whole day and the experience like even getting there in the first place? Yeah, well, we, we stayed in the horse and jockey uh, the night before. And um, we came in uh, through Thurles from the horse and jockey. And... I mean, it was most normal morning, had breakfast, went out for a walk, no kicking or anything like that, then got on the bus. Um, but I remember coming into Turles, the square, and it's something I think that will stay with anyone who was on that bus uh, that day. It was a throng of blue. There was a little bit of green and gold, but it was a throng of, of navy blue jerseys everywhere. And 
It's something that I think a lot of players still talk about and the, the support from, from Dublin that was down there on that first day. Now, it's no no surprise that the, the, the game was delayed the first day with so many of them enjoying the sunshine and uh, enjoying a few other things as well. So, um, But it was in, incredible support and um, it was it was really normal match day. That's the way we, we treated it. But it kind of turned into a, a very enjoyable game for, for anyone who was there and anyone watching on television. It was absolutely frenetic. It was like a hurling match, uh, Mike, in the in the first half of the home of hurling. It was like a hurling game. It was completely mad and chaotic. Yeah, and it was great, great to play in Turles as well. Um, fantastic surface. We've seen all the great hurling games up along down through the years, but great to get in there and play a championship football game. Um, I think we were seven points up with 15 minutes to go in the first game and all hell break loose Vinny Murphy came into the fray and Darren Holman himself got a goal and it was yeah we, we were very lucky to get out of there but um, going back to the supporters what Paul was saying there um, I was speaking to a friend of mine during the week who was at the game and he was saying it was crazy from a lot of, like Kerry people first time going up to a championship game probably with such a big crowd as well so it was fairly heavy coming from the other side as well but um there were stories of cars being abandoned and having to walk five or six miles and um, I suppose as a player you don't dwell too much in that when you're playing it's afterwards you hear these stories but um, yeah uh, we, we were damn glad to get out of Torlis anyway the first day um, for sure yeah What was going on in the match uh, Paul at half time for example you missed a couple of chances Desi Farrell and Cody Moore missed goal mm-hmm. chances you were eight points down at one stage was the dressing yeah. room raucous what was going on in terms of what was on the pitch because it was just complete pandemonium on the pitch was there anything going on uh, like at half time that, that would reflect that uh, not really I, I can't remember too much about what went on at half time in any dressing room that I ever you know was in during a match um, it just there's so much happening but we would have been very disappointed with that first half performance I think we only managed three points uh, in that first half and started the game very well played with a bit of a breeze and I think we had the, the opening three shots um, poor wides and then Kerry took over after that um, and you know the, the game essentially looked over at half time um, and that trend continued in the second half I think Kerry kicked the first point after after the break as well um, but with I think it was with I think it was eight or nine minutes to go we were eight points down as far as I can remember and I had a brother back from uh, America. He was he was working over there for ten years. Just decided to come back, made his way to Torles, and he was in amongst the Kerry support. And he got sick of listening to them. Um, you know the, the the stick he was getting, and he he left uh, when we were eight points down with about eight or nine minutes left, uh, thinking the game was over. Walked into Torles, walked into the nearest pub, and. There was a, a roar or something, and he went up, and we were a point up. And so, <laughs> it, it, it was one of those little, little, little stories uh, in the game that you know people will remember. But it was a, it was it was it was remarkable. We, look, we 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 played football for the last ten minutes, and a goal is is a huge score. We ended up getting two goals to 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 lead by a point. Johnny Crowley had a, a, a an unbelievable easily easy chance then to equalise um, as we were ticking into injury time and when he missed that I think I think everybody probably thought that that was it we just needed to secure possession and play out the last couple of minutes um, but unfortunately uh, uh, Davy Bourne our keeper at the time um, pulled his his kick out went over the line the sideline 
And uh, as they say, the rest is history. Um, Big Morris hit one of the one of the scores of the championship. But going back to to the two misses in in the first half, I, I look. I mean, our, our current manager Desi, he won't thank me for saying it, it was probably the worst. Uh, miss of all time in, in the history of the GA. I just looked at it again <laughs> yesterday, and he was actually inside the the small square, so about three or four yards out, and with an open goal and hit the crossbar, um, which was extraordinary. And the one before that was just as bad. Um, again, Desi was involved in it. It was just a, a poor executed hand pass to to Collie Morden's uh, feet, and he couldn't get the connection like, again with an open goal glaring. So. Kerry, Kerry did offer chances, um, and you know the last two goals that we got were were um, probably typical of of what went on again in the second game as well. We got plenty of chances, but unfortunately we just didn't take enough of them. Column, this was Paul, the day. Yeah, um, sorry, sorry Guan Mike. Yeah. Guan Mike. But Paul, you made a good point there. Even in the first half, you were creating a lot of chances. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you said, you didn't take them, but you, you were very you were very fit the same day. I thought. You were creating chances the whole time, so as you got your reward at the end of the game when they got the two goals. So even though their score, we were ahead, we were probably taking our chances we got, but you definitely were staying in the game, creating chances anyway. That's from what I can remember. Yeah, I think I think the the, the carry scores came easier than than the Dublin scores. I mean, the, you know, every time they they attacked, they looked very dangerous. Opened us up on a couple of occasions. Um, uh, their scores were from. Basically, class forwards and our forward line just didn't function. Uh, not just on that day, but both days. Um, so, you know, we, we probably got what we deserved in the end. Column, uh, this is the day Tommy Carr lost the rag uh, with Mick Curley, the referee, who was a, a guard superintendent. Mm. Yeah, I think I, I, I think probably Tommy has apologised. He certainly apologised since for his interference or whatever he said to Morris Fitzgerald after that but yeah Mick Curley had been in a few scrapes I recall one with Larry Tompkins the previous year um, and I think if I'm right in saying Tommy spent the, the replay in the stands after that but mm-hmm. uh, obviously he was close at hand when uh, when, when Morris Fitzgerald uh, delivered that w- most wonderful uh, sideline kick uh, that headed out somewhere towards Dove and Temple Moore and then turned back in and, and over the bar but uh, all of that even Tommy and his confrontation with uh, Mick Curley that day contributed to one of the, one of the great atmospheres in in Thurles or or at any game uh, really away from Crow Park. And it's ironic that the two for all the hurling matches that I've been at at Thurles and all the great Munster Championship games I've been at, two stand out, and that's one. And the other is obviously Clare and Offaly, and neither were a Munster hurling championship match. Where obviously these are you know. They're just they adorn Thurles these monster championship games right through the decades. But these two were were just exceptional, and uh, obviously Dublin uh, making their way out of away from Crow Park. It was a, it was a it was a real throwback, and even Tommy's confrontation it, it all contributed just 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 the way the whole game fell. And my my recall of uh, those two misses were you Desi Farrell had his hands in his head for both, and I suppose. As I mentioned earlier, there had been an almost tragic element about Dublin in the way they had lost games in the few years beforehand. Um, if you even go back to 1997 when Mead knocked them out, Paul Beelan missed a penalty at the end of that game. And they looked like winning that game too. And he crashed it off the crossbar. 
and uh, in 1999 then Mead beat them again and Ollie Murphy ran riot and they just couldn't hold them and Kildare got the two goals so here it was again a Dublin team dominating with possession and just not able to put it away and, and that Colin Moran goal chance that came from a run from deep inside his mm. own half and and Mike Frank mentioned it at the very very start. Dublin were so athletic and so strong and physically powerful at home. And then Kieran Whelan had really filled out by that stage as a footballer. And he was really physically dominant in, in, in those years uh, to the point where I thought my recall of it is Dublin were really on top through their midfield and they just could not put those chances away. It was a, it was almost it was a calamity of errors and it, it really it was almost symptomatic of them at the time. They could dominate games so much, but they just couldn't push them over the line. That was a lot of, that was the tale of woe post-1995. Yeah, like it's an alternative universe with Dublin Heartbreak, isn't it? Uh, the way we're speaking 20 years later. Mike Frank, was there any doubt when uh, you saw Morris Fitzgerald get the ball in his hands? It was his first kick of the game. Yeah, uh, look, everything's, everything's been talked how good a footballer he is. And yeah, he was the right man to take the shot. Um, yeah, and he backed himself. I don't think he was on the field that long but I suppose the more you look back the know the better the score gets but yeah we were we were very thankful for him to save our bacon the same day and get out of there but yeah absolutely probably one of the scores of the say, decade or century whatever you want to call it but fantastic look back and but uh, we felt we probably shouldn't have been in that position but uh, we were where we were we had won the All-Ireland in 2000 and 2001 we were maybe it obviously took a lot out of us uh, we were not finishing out games and we trained particularly hard between the Munster final and the Dublin game and maybe it was the wrong thing, to, maybe we should have been easing off and it caught up with us against Meath in the semi-final after we were, we were well beaten. So yeah, it was great to beat Dublin the replay but it finished in a poor year for us in the end in the semi-final. It was Johnny Crowdy that did the damage in that replay, uh, Paul, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, Johnny, well, Johnny was on on fire that year. Um, yeah. Great, a great inside forward. Really had had everything. I mean, the, the game the game was completely different back then. I, I watched the, the the two games uh, over the last couple of days, and the most extraordinary change is that every kickout went long. I think in the two games there was two short kickouts. Um, uh, Davy Bourne kicked both of them. Um, so basically, it was a it was a, a contest. Uh, between one v one all over the park, yeah. uh, and Johnny Johnny was was a, a powerful inside man who was able to win his own ball, and he suited the, the, that particular game. Um, and his two goals in the second match uh, really put them in a, a, a very strong position, and uh, we never got back really. I mean, we got a, a little bit of a lifeline early in the second half when Tomas was sent off, um, but Kerry were still able to. To get the the chip over the scores that kept them kept the distance, and we scored two late scores, two points uh, to to get it to three. But we were never never in a position to to win that second game. Uh, did Bertie Hearn come into the dressing room? I think I read that somewhere, Paul. <laughs> yeah, I, I to be honest, he, he might have. <laughs> I, don't, I, I I don't remember um, if he came in for the second after the second match. Um, I I wouldn't have I won't remember because we all had our heads down. We were very disappointed. He may well have come in, um, but I, I don't remember that. It is an advertisement, though, isn't it? When we reimagine the championship, Paul, like Dublin wouldn't mind going on the road if you had a league championship in the summer and in, in the in the next few years, going to places like Killarney, Porky Creeve in '83 was a massive thing. We could do it with a lot more of this, and for all counties. 
Yeah, well, when, when I started playing for Dublin in 1989, we were we were on the road um, all the time before the a Leinster final. If we were lucky enough to get to a Leinster final, my my debut was in in Newbridge. Uh, against uh, Kildare in the following game, semi-final was back in Newbridge against Wicklow. Uh, we played Wexford in, in Wexford Park. We played in Tullamore. So, you know, they, they were all great occasions, not just for for the, the the players, but for also supporters. I mean, Dublin don't mind going tra- on the road. I mean, they they actually enjoy it. Um, I mean, if you if you talk to any of the supporters, they want they want that. Um, so, you know, I, I would like to see more of that. The, the, the present team just doesn't play on the road, really. Um, now, that has changed a little bit with the Super 8s. Um, but now that we're back, uh, uh, you know, in this particular time with knockout football, all their games will more than likely be in Crow Park again. So, look, it's not an issue from, from Dublin's point of view. Um, they, they play wherever, as I said, my team and the team before them. That particular team played all their games except for finals uh, and all their semi-finals in Crow Park. So you know, not, not a big issue. Was it one of the best uh, atmospheres you ever played in, Mike? It was for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, full house there. Um, I played in Crow Park as well, but it was probably more enclosed. Uh, fantastic. Yeah. Um, I suppose I have to mention our late manager, Paddy O'Shea. Yeah. Um, very animated men the sideline the two days you spoke about having run in with the referee with Tommy Carr but Paddy was well able to, to give it as well um, but Paddy was always mentioned the dubs when he was playing himself so he was he was up for the game um, he was saying right we get the dubs out of Dublin bring it down here and we'll be fine but <laughs> he wasn't saying that after the first game so I think there was a story that we we, we actually met in Hill for food that morning it's just outside Limerick and there was a little field, so we had a, a few kicks around and different times now to the preparation, obviously, what goes on now. And on the way home after the first game, Paddy was driving down to Bort Hill near Limerick and he got pulled over for speeding. <laughs> and I think the guard said to me, after getting your second lucky break of the day. So he he, um, he was a great character, but I'd just like to mention him there. You know, he's passed on and we all miss him. But um, fantastic atmosphere up there. Yeah, it was great to have played in... in 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 Torless, as I said already. Yeah. Mike Frank, uh, Paul Curran and uh, Colm Keyes back with more Kerry and Dublin Talk looking ahead to tomorrow after this. The Saturday panel on Off the Ball. And you're welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you through until five. You can text us five three one zero six. Tweet us at Off the Ball. We're back with the Saturday panel, reflecting on two memorable matches Dublin and Kerry played in Thurles in two thousand and one. Were you there? Five three one zero six. Uh, give us your story out of the trip to Tip again for both uh, counties in the league tomorrow. Joined by Dublin's All Ireland winning defender Paul Curran, Kerry's All Ireland winning forward Mike Frank Russell, and the GA correspondent from the Irish Independent Column Keys. Just to keep you up to date with scores uh, elsewhere, Brentford two, Bournemouth one now in that chat. Championship semi-final uh, playoff. Uh, it's now Bournemouth leading on away goals 2-2 on aggregate at the moment. 66 minutes gone uh, in the second half for that one. And also in the Hurling League, uh, Tipperary 2-7 now. Galway six points. That match threw in at Semple Stadium at half past one. So Tipperary in the ascendancy in that one. Uh, you can listen on News Talk. Also watch us on the social channels for Off the Ball at the moment on Periscope, on Twitter, at Off the Ball, YouTube, Facebook, and on the OTB Sports app. Just before we went to the break, Mike Frank Russell, we were speaking about Paulie O'Shea. You were mentioning um, what a character he was and how great he was in the line. You kind of came into the Kerry setup when Kerry were once again resurgent under Paulie. You hadn't won an All Ireland in 11 years. You won it then in 1997. 
Uh, then he went to Westmead and won the Leinster title in the first year, their first ever Leinster title. There was a documentary I remember called Marooned about that season with Pawdy and Westmead. What would the documentary have shown about Kerry and Pawdy uh, as a manager and as a character? Um... I'm so glad there was no smartphones or iPhones around that time in here, Twitter or Paddy uh, wasn't really into that kind of stuff. But uh, he was a great character. He, look, he loved football. He um, he was a true Kerry man. He he just played the green and gold. We he was our under twenty one manager in ninety five ninety six. So we won the under twenty ones in ninety six, and he he previously had gone for the job apparently. In '94-'95, I think Ogie Moran got the job. That's what we were hearing anyway. And so he got the job in '96, senior job. And as I said, we won doing the three ones in '96, and he took over the senior team. And you know, he just he just instilled a lot of belief in the team. It was a younger team. You had a few older players. Not I wouldn't say older players, but maybe late twenties. You had Morris Fitzgerald, Liam Flaherty, Eamon Breen, a few lads who were still playing, and he blended the younger lads with them and 90 he was for they won the Munster Championship 96 uh, which is great I was still too young for it. I wasn't involved at that stage I was still under 21 but um, getting over Cork because Cork had the hoodoo over them for a couple of years and then we went on obviously to win the other in 97 but um, to answer your question Kerry wouldn't have won the other without Paddy O'Shea coming in I think I think he just instilled that belief and that that determination and um it took off from there, and we won a second All Ireland on him in 2000. And uh, fantastic character, and um, served his county very well. You know, we he was we idolised him growing up, watching him playing. But as a manager, I think he he earned his salt as well. Um, Paul, would you have felt that Jim Gavin would have been management material because he was on the bench in Thurles uh, for those two games? He was still playing alongside you. Yeah, well, you you just never know what direction uh, players take. I mean, a, a lot get into management, and some you know don't bother when they finish playing. But Jim was always a, a very serious um, individual in terms of um, you know doing the right thing all the time, preparing well, uh, and you know he got involved with the under twenty ones at the time uh, when he was still playing, uh, and was part of the backroom team with Tommy Lyons when we won our first, I think it was in 2003. Uh, and then he won two more um, in his own right as manager um, before he, he made the step up to senior. So he, he put in the time, um, learned from mistakes. Uh, I actually was uh, with him in 2008 on the under 21 management team, knockout competition, we were beaten by Calaire and Newbridge in the, in the first round. Um, but you know, Jim Jim learns and gets back stronger. And you know what he what he did at senior level was quite remarkable. And I think one of the one of his great strengths was to be able to re-energize the team every year, even though they were winning things. You know, he was always um, willing to throw in young players and break up a winning team uh, and keep keep everything fresh. And I think that. That will be his legacy, I think, that we're still going, um, you know, uh, with that kind of model where young lads are coming in. I mean, they played last week against uh, Roscommon in the league with three or four new new lads and they just slipped in seamlessly. So, you know, that's that's a, a huge part of what Jim brought to the, to the management. Column, uh, two decades later, 
the, the game is obviously better the players are fitter the conditioning is much better the skills are better it's a faster game but the rivalry is just as good and just as good it was just as good as it was back then with Dublin and Kerry uh, well, I wonder what, what level the rivalry is because really when it has mattered most, John Kerry or uh, Dublin have beaten Kerry nearly all the time. Is it f- it's five championship wins yeah, now and a draw, in succession yeah. and, and, and one draw obviously in 2019. And, you know, it, it's that last 12 minutes, just a remarkable sequence of, of play from Dublin to uh, to get the draw and almost win that replay two years ago. And obviously Kerry, Kerry had a chance to, to shut the door there uh, that day, obviously, with an extra man, but didn't. And then Dublin held them at arm's length superbly in the replay. Obviously, in league matches, uh, it's been closer. And any time Dublin have gone down to Kerry, whether it be Tralee on a Saturday night or Killarney on a Sunday afternoon, um, Kerry have been very competitive to the point where they've they've won twice. They've, they've drawn down in Tralee. They've obviously drawn last year's league match in 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 Croke Park so from that point of view from uh, in league games I think there's only been once or twice a league final in 2016 and a league match in Croke Park in 2018 actually it was David Clifford's first game against uh, against Dublin when when Dublin really got out ahead and uh, and dominated and ran up a big score against Kerry but nearly nearly all the time it's been close so from that point of view yes it's a rivalry and they're meeting a lot more now than they were but Dublin still have the upper hand here. And I think it's something they'll probably be conscious of uh, with this game in mind too, is that they, for any team, obviously they, they will see them as their biggest rivals and the team most likely to take them down in, in uh, whether it's this year or in future years. So they'll be, this is, this is a game that obviously Dublin will target to deliver uh, as big a performance as, as possible, really. We saw Mike Frank in 2009, the startled Earwigs game, and Dublin uh, got taken to the cleaners by Kerry. But they won then the following year in the league. Do you think Kerry need to make a statement against uh, Dublin? Because it's a long time that Kerry have, since Kerry have beaten Dublin well in a match. I do. I think they, I think Kerry need to win tomorrow. I think they need to start beating this Dublin team because um, I think Dublin referenced that game in 2010, in, or yeah, 2010 in Killarney, that they put down a marker they hadn't won in Killarney in is it 15 or 16 years in the league game so and they, they've always gone back and referenced that game and I know the game is in Turles tomorrow it's not in Killarney or Parnell Park or Crow Park but I do I think it's it's a bigger game for Kerry in my opinion I think they need to start just psychologically getting one over Dublin Were you encouraged um, by what oh, you saw last weekend Mike? Absolutely, absolutely. A surprise too with Galway. I thought Galway would, would be better, but we we don't know where teams are with COVID and things like that, and what or what teams are trying to uh, plan or looking down the line and things like that. But yeah, very impressive forwards, especially in the forwards. But uh, going back to tomorrow, I think um, it's not going to decide the All Ireland. No, uh, if Kerry meet Dublin All Ireland this year, both teams will feel they can win the game. But tomorrow, I think just for their own mindset and for the management as well I think they need to get over the line somehow tomorrow Is David Clifford the best ever talent to come out of Kerry Mike Frank in your view? He's, he's, if he keeps going the way he was last weekend absolutely I mean yeah we, we seem to be able to produce forwards which is great but um, yeah he's playing fantastic football and he has the tools to keep going and to be one of the all time greats like, like I hate heaping pressure on young lads he's, the boy's still only 22 but uh, he's certainly going in the right direction 
Um, I think a, a one player that's overlooked a bit sometimes is Sean Yoshi, the centre forward. Um, he's an outrageous talent, I think, as well. He's um, going under the radar sometimes. He's supplying the bullets, but he's he's an outrageous talent, I think. You play corner forward, Mike. Uh, for the person who is not in, you, you can watch on TV and all of that kind of from the stands. But when you actually know that position very well, what is it that David Clifford has that maybe sets him apart from other top corner forwards? Well, at the moment, physically, for a young fella, he uh, he scored four goals in a minor final, uh, which is nearly unheard of. But he he was a man playing a minor. He, you, I think you'll all agree the size of him for a minor, and he's just so physically strong. Um, the closest I would uh, like him to have is Morris Fitzgerald but I think he was even actually more physically stronger than him um, he's able to just get that yard of space um, he he has it all at the moment left leg, right leg and he has a temperament um, but he his skill levels for, for in there for such a big man he, for such a big man he's, got, he's so skillful which is, which is which sets him apart I think for a big man he's got so much skill Would you like to be marking him Paul? No, I didn't like playing cornerback, as people know. But look, David Clifford is is. I mean, it seems like we're talking about him now for for year for years, and he's still only twenty two years of age. And look, there's one thing for sure. Um, Kerry, David Clifford will win all Ireland's. There's there's no doubt about that. I I have I have I've you know I've always said it over the last couple of years that. The team most likely to to stop this run is is Kerry. I, I actually thought that it might happen last year, um, but Kerry lost away against Cork. Um, but I think I think the penny is actually dropping with with Kerry now. I think they made serious mistakes last year, um, particularly in their tactics against Cork. I know it was a bad day, but they they set up very defensively. Played I think if they played two essentially wing backs as wing forwards in that game. And allowed a team, you know, invited a team onto them. Um, and the, the longer the game went, uh, the, the the more confidence Cork got. And in the end, um, it was a sucker punch of a goal that that caught Kerry. Now I don't think that's going to happen this year. I mean, you learn from your your mistakes. I think last week's statement was was very clear that they're coming out this year to to play an offensive game essentially, and I I think that's one of the the big mistakes that they've made over the last couple of years that, you know they've they've really focused too much on their on their defensive stuff and, you know the game is all about scoring and they've two of the best forwards in the game at the moment two young players and, I think you know if they get concentrate on getting the ball into them as you know as often as possible then I, I i think teams will struggle like galway did last week and i know it's up early in the in the season but i i definitely see uh, a change in kerry's mindset this year and as mike says tomorrow's game look it's only a league game at the end of the day but you know when you're a player and consistently you're being beaten by the same team and it happened to us in the 90s we were we were we were getting sucker punched by northern teams every year, and we were just sick to the back teeth of being beaten by, you know, you know similar teams every year. And you know when K- Tyrone came in '95, another northern team, you know, and I, we decided look this this can't continue. And I think Kerry are, are in the same position uh, in relation to Dublin Kerry games and. I, I can't wait for, for tomorrow's game. I think it's a, a very exciting game early in the season and uh, the fact that it's live on television as well is, is fantastic. So re- really looking forward to it and I, I, would expect, I would expect Kerry to make a statement tomorrow. 
Um, 53106. Hi, I was at both games. Fantastic memories. Morris's Gerald score was top class. Didn't think that on the day, though. Great to hear Paul and Mike Frank again. Two top class players. Dennis, a dub in Wexford. Up the dubs. You can text us. 53106. Thanks for that, Dennis. Yeah, Colin, like it's a knockout championship, so uh, there's not going to be a second chance in the championships. So that maybe increases the stakes to a degree tomorrow. Uh, if you're a Kerry person or a Kerry football fan, should you be excited now about this team? Uh, well, you should be excited about it in the era of David Clifford, for sure. I mean, if they cannot build the team around him and obviously Sean O'Shea, uh, you know, they won five All-Ireland uh, minor titles in succession. Surely, surely there is a team to emerge from that. Now, my own suspicion is that, you know, maybe maybe the, the sum of the parts isn't as great as what, what emerged from that in, in terms of five All-Ireland titles. But they have Clifford, and you mentioned them, obviously, Dublin, have Conor Callaghan, who who I rate almost as his equal. He is his equal, obviously, and and maybe a bit ahead of him even at the moment, given some of the goals that that he has scored. Uh, but he's surrounded perhaps by a better framework, so that allows him, that gives him a better platform to uh, to execute his skills. The two of them bring such an X factor to the game right now, and I think, you know, if we're talking about teams of the millenniums or team of the centuries in time to come, I think these two will be in the conversation. That's where they're heading. Um, yes, Kerry should be excited about the team, uh, but they really do need to follow on from that Galway performance. Any slip up in that regard uh, would really, it would almost neutralise that because Galway appeared to be so poor the last day defensively, didn't get it right. And Galway have conceded massive scores to in Division 1 in, the la- in their last three games, uh, five, uh, 9.59 in their three games. So it does raise huge question marks about their defence. So really a follow-on. A statement, yes, I think a statement is probably right to call it at this stage. They don't want to be going into a potential All-Ireland final if they do reach that far against uh, against Dublin. They don't want to be going in with with any doubt that Dublin still have them in this chokehold in the games that really matter. And I think this game does matter, and I think all the league games matter because there are so few, as we have said, games this year. There are only you know, a maximum or a minimum of four games for each team in the league and one in the championship. Uh, there isn't really a case to hold something back, even at this early stage of the season. I think I think both teams really, for, for, for competitiveness, have to be on the front foot tomorrow. And while it's less important for, for Dublin to win, uh, I do think that given their record over Kerry and where they want to keep Kerry, that they will be really charging for this too. Marcus Forrest has scored for Brentford. They now lead Bournemouth 3-1 on the day, 3-2 on aggregate now in that uh, championship semi-final, uh, the playoff semi-final. So they're on the verge of getting to the final. Brentford with about nine minutes to go and Bournemouth down to 10 men. A Tipperary leading Galway by 2-7 to 11 points in uh, the Allianz Hurley League Division 1 Group A. Uh, Paul Curran, this was embarrassing, this whole COVID breach. Has there been any aftershocks in, in Dublin after that episode? No, I don't think so. Um, I think it, it was completely unnecessary uh, and and embarrassing, to to be honest with you. I, I was on record in saying that I don't. I it was it was hard to believe, um, but that's unfortunately that's typical of of the GEA, I suppose, and uh, the, this notion that you have to try and get one up on your neighbours um, before they get started. So. It was it was embarrassing. There's no doubt about that, uh, and totally unnecessary. I mean, why the likes of you know Brian Fenton would be out uh, allowing himself to, to get into a situation like that? Uh, and cl- clearly, um, 
you know, it was it was it was wrong. Our manager is suspended at the moment, so he's not going to be back until the championship, uh, which adds adds uh, its own difficulty. So, you know, I, I think I think Dublin, although they were very good last week in patches, I think they they're probably a little bit vulnerable going into this game, um, and. I think it's a great opportunity for 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 Kerry to to get any sort of a win. I mean, they don't. A statement is is actually a win for Kerry tomorrow, whether it's a one point, two point, or five point win. It's a win is very important for this group of Kerry players. Um, it, both teams are on track to to meet in an All Ireland final this year. Um, we thought that might be the case last year. It didn't happen, um, but I think Kerry have learned. A lot from 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 last season, and I, I expect them to be in the final. Um, whether Dublin are there or not is is another thing, but certainly uh, the COVID breach was was unnecessary and a little bit embarrassing. Uh, Paul, just uh, no Paul Mannion, uh, no Dermot Connolly, no Jack McCaffrey. Are there players of equal standing uh, that are coming into this Dublin team now? We saw Cormac Costello, who's been sometimes a bit in and out, scoring one thirteen last weekend. Can they keep going to the well? I suppose is the question. Yeah, well, the answer to that is no. They're they're not equal standing. I mean, we've we've lost some of the greatest players uh, that played the game in the last couple of years. I mean, the two Brogans as well are gone. Um, so the Dublin the Dublin setup is is changing um, all the time. Uh, you know, Jack McCaffrey left last year, and they still managed to win an All Ireland. And um, they're not as good, but they they understand what's expected. I think I think that's probably the the easiest way of of explaining it. These fellas are arriving in um, very fit. Uh, I remember Jim Gavin saying to me in his early tenure um, that. I'm not there to get these fellas fit. They arrive in certain shape. He, he, none of them um, are carrying any weight. They're all ready to go, basically. And you know, we saw it last week. Three basically unknown players coming in and uh, contributing to a win. So, look, there, there, there are. We're, I don't think we're as good as we were three or four years ago, but we're still good enough to to win, um, if that makes sense. Mike yeah. Frank, uh, yeah. we, we will get into trouble if we don't talk about other counties that have the chances in the league and the championship, even if Kerry might not even be able to lift a league. But that's another question for another day. But uh, uh, do you see this Dublin, Kerry, Mayo uh, and, and any of the other counties that are impressing you at the moment? What's your view on the, the landscape going into football 2021 now? Yeah, but just going back to Paul's yeah. point there about Dublin. Sorry, minute. Um the boys that you see coming in, the new players, like you had Owen Murch and all these, every year they seem to have added nearly a, year, a player or two, But and you'll say, oh, they're not as good as the last lads like Jack McCaffrey, but they're still winning to All-Ireland. That's, that's just, we're down here, scratched our head. I see you have Tom Lehiff and Dara Mullen coming into the team now again, and they haven't weakened it. So it just seems to be, the team keeps evolving, and it's, it's so impressive. Uh, these unknown players put to the people around the country. But they're just fitting in seamlessly, so it's very impressive, um, and it doesn't seem to be stopping. It's the scary thing, but uh, that, that's just thing. Does it hurt you, Mike? Does it hurt you? Does it? Is it? Does it annoy you? <laughs> uh, you know, I'd say every county has obviously extended panels, and there's players in the background coming into development squads, but um, they, they seem to be able to fit in seamlessly more to the Dublin senior team. But it's it's, it's a credit of what they're doing. They're they're doing everything right. But I think Kerry and DC are catching up. But, um, yeah, uh, just two new players I just mentioned there as well coming into the Dublin team. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they keep going. But, Kerry, the win over Galway, can we can we read 
too much into it because we don't we still don't know where Galway were. But so that's why, as we said, we, tomorrow's going to uh, tell us a lot more about Kerry. But the, the teams competing, I suppose, for honours, yeah, Kerry and Dublin up there for sure. Um, I would have said Galway until what happened last weekend. So I think they have problems there defensively anyway. Um, Tyrone under new management, I know they were beaten last weekend, but um, their forwards, Young McKenna, Carl McShane to come back, Dara Canavan, um, as good as far as, as you've seen any county. Johnny Gall have the forwards, I think. McBriarty, Murphy. So the teams I've mentioned there, Kerry Dublin, um, Johnny Gall, Tyrone. Uh, Mayo, hard to know how, where Mayo, where Mayo are this year. They've, they've, it's seemingly a lot of new players, a new turnover. So we'll see how they go. But um, the top three or four I've mentioned there for sure, I think, anyway. We wouldn't expect a Cullum, uh, Cavan and Tipperary to win uh, provincial titles and that's the beauty of the knockout. It was a great, from a storyline perspective last uh, last year. Can you see any other counties adding themselves to the conversation as well as the ones we're talking about today, Kerry and Dublin? Uh, yeah, look, Mike Frank has mentioned Toronto. I, I happen to think last year, John, that uh, it was an indictment of all the rest that Dublin really eased their way to an All-Ireland title. Great team as they are. They weren't really challenged anywhere and Leinster's a write-off a long time now and this year presents the same opportunity for them to arrive in an All-Ireland semi-final, which they will, obviously. And they're likely, their likely opponents are Mayo, unless Galway and Roscommon can get into the conversation. And you would expect, given their record and given the hold that they have over Mayo, that they will get themselves back into an All-Ireland final. So with the quality of forwards around last year, I'm talking about Kerry, Donegal, and obviously Tyrone lost to Donegal early on. I thought it was an indictment of everyone else that the, a greater challenge wasn't mounted by those, and that Cavan and Tipperary especially were able to pick off the form lines in, obviously, Cork had beaten Kerry, and then Cavan were able to beat Donegal. I, I think there's more to both those teams. I think there'll be more to Tyrone. I know that Mickey Hart was very determined to stay on for one more year because he really believes in this squad. He really believes that there's a there's a set of players there that can win in All Ireland and can really really compete and do that, and I think there are there is a structure there that can come in the Tyrone forward line. You know, there's a lot of doubt over Colin McShane as to whether he's going to get back to his 2019 form. Where best to play? Where best to play? Uh, Connor McKenna, who can be a huge asset, but I think it's going to take him a lot longer to bed down than maybe what we think after his return from from AFL. But they do have other forwards that can come back. They have all their inside, talented inside forwards that maybe drifted off in the heart area to come back in. And if they can make something out of them, they're going to be really competitive. But can they beat Donegal? And again, the Donegal forward line has Oren McNeilis back and Kieran Thompson is there. Oshin Gallen, who's a really talented player. If he gets going this year, watch out for him. Michael Murphy yeah. is obviously there. And Michael Langan. There's a list of really, really good kickers of the ball. There aren't too many teams that are better long-range kickers of the ball than Donegal collectively. But you expect more of them. And, you know, I even expect a little bit more of Mayo. And while they pressed Dublin hard for the first half last year, they never really kicked on, especially when they had the extra player for the first 10 minutes of the second half. That was disappointing from, from their point of view. And while you would think on paper, if that's the word, that their forwards aren't as good as the others we have mentioned, especially Kerry. They're still a very competitive team that has ambition and they have a lot of confidence to be in there. So all told, I expect a much, much better challenge to Dublin this year. And, you know, is there question marks? Are there going to be question marks? At what stage does the, is the hunger in question for Dublin? We saw Paul Mannion stepping away earlier this year. Has he had enough of the game? Has Jack McCaffrey 
who stepped away last summer. Has he had enough of the game? Have they won enough? Are they saved? Do they want to go off and do other things? And are there other members of the Dublin squad there too? I think as long as Brian Fenton and Kieran Kilkenny and Conor Callaghan especially are there, Dublin are going to remain the team to beat and the team out in front. Uh, Colin, I'm sorry. Yeah, Colin, sorry. Just Galway there. What what do you make of Galway? I think the fierce talent. Uh, no, they're well beaten last weekend, but um, is it obviously to get a proper system in there? Obviously, Party Joy is going to be working on that, but I think they have forwards to lead. I'd to say, Mike, two years ago, they were the among the hardest teams. Two, three years ago, they were among the hardest teams to beat. They had built up a defensive yeah. shell there that was. And it didn't go down well with Galway people. And they wanted to play front foot football. They wanted to play attacking football. And when Porrick Choice came in, he made it clear, this is the type of football we are going to play. And for five league games pre-COVID, they were yeah, a yeah. Yeah. Some of the games, they were a little bit lucky. But they came back after COVID the, the last year. And they were been really, really poor. Now, albeit uh, a cynical foul, there were one cynical foul from Owen McLaughlin on Sean Kelly at the end of the Connacht final away from... Yeah. Probably winning that. If he got that shot away, uh, they probably would have. They, they might have won that Connacht title and get into a semi-final. Then could have could have happened. Yeah, they have a lot of talented forwards. Have, Shane yeah. Walsh and Damian Comer. Do they get the best out of them? They have an All Ireland winning under twenty team from last year to build. I think they will be in time. But uh, I think there's a there's a there's a there's a softer side to them than maybe some of the others that they really have to they have to develop that side of their game to be really competitive. They'll play nice football at times, but as we saw last Sunday or last Saturday, and we saw in the opening game against uh, Mayo when, when after re- the resumption, they can be really opened up and defensively naive, and that's a that's that's a side of the game that I think they have to get right from starting from tomorrow against Roscommon. And it's a game they really have to win. Colm, the, the one team that hasn't been mentioned, and I think they'll they'll get um, great confidence from from looking at last year's championship is is Armagh. You know they they, yeah. they watched they watched Cavan win an Ulster championship last year. Um, looking at them last week, uh, they've a lot of very very good young talent, fellas yeah. whose fathers played the game, um, who know the game, and they were a very good manager. Um, and they 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 could be the surprise. Now maybe they're a year or two away, but I think I think looking at them the last couple of years, they certainly have the talent and the the, the, the backroom team, if you like. That's You're Donaghy, them. yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Donaghy's up there as well. So I I I think that they will go into the championship as dark horses, and they'll go in with plenty of confidence. And looking at them last week, I don't think they'll fear anybody. Yeah, yeah, it was a good win for them because Monaghan obviously have introduced a lot of younger players. Monaghan have four or five players that you'd be looking at in five years' time will make up a very decent, a very decent forward line. But Armagh have the two O'Neills, and that's maybe who you're 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 referencing, yeah. Oshin and yeah. Rian. And not only not only are they big men, but they're fantastic kickers of the ball as well. You know, scorers of long range points, huge asset. A little bit disappointed that Jamie Clark has not committed for them this year. Yeah. You know, he brings something a little bit different. And while he can be put out of games, he's a great ha- asset to have there. But they're, for sure, Paul, they're a very, very hard-working team that are clear about what their strengths are, but also what their what their weaknesses are. And I think the lift of get of beating the lift of beating Monaghan last weekend will put them into a strong position to at least take on Tyrone and Donegal in the knowledge that if they win one of those games. Well, they're into a semi-final, and mm-hmm. that's a that's a big prize for them. They have Antrim in the uh, they have Antrim in the in, in their quarter-final in Ulster. They'll feel because they're avoiding Tyrone and 
uh, Donegal the Ulster, Ulster final, yeah. were on the other side of the they would really feel they have a chance of getting to the Ulster final here mm. so I think for sure they are a team to watch out for they'll feel a real opportunity they obviously they had that opportunity uh, last year after beating Derry but they were crushed by Donegal and the psychological blow of that you, would, you just don't know what that picks out of them but they're on the right side of the draw if there is a right side of the draw and Cavan came through it last year to avoid Tyrone and Donegal and to make the most of that Okay, um, just to let you know, Brentford have won that semi-final in the championship, the playoff semi-final. Uh, they've beaten Bournemouth 3-1, winning 3-2 on aggregate. So Brentford going to Wembley against either Swansea or Barnsley, with Swansea having the advantage in the second match. That kicks off at half past six. They've got a one-day lead. Connor Howard, of course, involved with the Swans. Tipperary, two goals and eight. Galway, 14 points at Semple Stadium in the Hurling League. A Texan here in 5-3-106. Having witnessed two great sporting moments in my life, I was behind the post in Paris when Johnny hit the drop goal to be France, was standing directly behind Morris when he hit that point in Thurless. As a dub, it was a bittersweet moment. My memory is it was very windy that day and he hit the ball well out of the centre of the field from the sideline and it floated over the bar in the wind, says Mike in Dunleary. And Mike Frank Russell, is there any kind of worry about the Kerry defence still or do you think that Peter Keane has done a job of that now to make them... Uh, a teak tough all Ireland contenders. Um, I think we seen something different last weekend. I think Peter and we got sucker punched by Cork last year, but I think he was starting to put his system in place. Um, uh, Pike Morley picked up uh, Damien Comer last weekend, and O'Brien Lee picked up Shane Walsh, and they kept him very quiet. So they're going to be in your full back line. But uh, when Kerry lost possession last week in the forwards, they were getting back to the fin very quickly. So it's definitely something he's working on. And it'll be, they'll need it. They'll need it, especially if they're going to meet Dublin down the road in Crow Park. But um, Peter Keane is definitely working on the system there. So we have to, because we've left our set open uh, too much in the big games in the last few years that have counted. Um, speaking of Cork, maybe, as well. You, you, Cork people might like to hear this, but you're talking about contenders, but you, can't tr- you never seem to be able to trust them. They came along and beat Kerry last year, and we know what Tipperary did to them after, so they'll be hugely disappointed with that. Um, there's a big league game this weekend as well, Cork against Leash. I think that's a massive game this weekend uh, going forward for both teams because they both lost the first day out. Uh, Kildare beat Cork, and this is um, Clare beat Leash. So, speaking of just Cork, we mentioned contenders, you don't know what to get, what you're going to get with them. Um, very hard to trust them but have talent there as well like like we mentioned Galway so but um, yeah look these are all the permutations before the championship so uh, looking forward to it it's great to be back watching football again and uh, uh, looking forward to the championship the next couple of weeks as well and uh, Column Keys, uh, what I'm thinking about oh, one and, and watching YouTube clips and all kind of the, the madness I was there I've got the, the ticket actually in my back pocket if I can pull it out here and not uh, take the headphones off and the, I've got the ticket here from 2001 uh, in, in Sample Stadium I was reporting for 98FM back at the time Dublin and Kerry any chance we'll have fans you think uh, Column at the All-Ireland Finals in August because that's what we want we, what we want when it's safe to be back in these stadiums and, and supporting our teams and our counties I'd be pretty pretty certain, John. There will be uh, there will be crowds back for all Ireland semi finals, all Ireland finals. I think as we go through August, we'll see more. Uh, when you see the one meter, the two meter distance this morning, we reported on it's coming back to a meter. That's a really that's really positive for crowds. I think when you see what's happening over in England and with Chartos has been maybe a month behind it, there's certainly talk of pilots. Uh, 
uh, crowd um, being allowed in for Leinster semi-final and hurling, maybe Leinster final. And there's a couple of rugby internationals in the Aviva Stadium as well with Japan and I think USA for early July. I'd imagine that those two grounds are the two that they will use to measure things to see how it's going. And I think by the time of the provincial finals at the end of the month, we will see crowds back. Already in the north, Ulster GA have uh, aligned with obviously sports up there. 500 allowed into games, certainly club games and the decision early next week as to whether they will allow them in for, for league matches next week. And I think they should, because what's the point? I mean, if 500 are allowed in there to go and see a game, let them in. Just, you know, the, the alignment between north and south, I don't think the GA should get too much too caught up on it. If 500 go, can go in and are allowed by law to go into one part, in one part of the country, they should allow it. And I do think it will then fast track things to happen down here. Obviously, you want to do it in a safe manner. But if you look at if you look at the pace of vaccinations now, you think that, you know, in two months time, when some of these provincial finals, when we're on the cusp of those, I do think we will see some crowds back at those. And for the bigger games, semi-finals and finals in Crow Park in August, I can see 10, 20, even up to 30,000. If that one metre allowance is in place by then for outdoor events, I do think we will see crowds back. Paul Curran, we're desperate for a match day like Thurless in, in a one with a, a team in stadium. It uh, won't be that for a while yet, but even some fans in the, in the ground. And the match day experience, the ball happened, the chat and the slagging. Oh, absolutely, John. Yeah, I, I would agree with Colm. I think what we're seeing, uh, you know, with our closest neighbours, um, you know, 8, 10, 12,000 people in, in, in the English soccer stadiums. Uh, and as you said, we're, we're not too far behind them. Um, I think with the, the vaccination programme moving on at a, a really fast pace as well, things are moving very quickly. And um, I, I would, I like Colin, would expect to see huge crowds back in. And, you know, it's, it, it, that's what it's all about, you know. The, the, playing the game in front of nobody is is nearly, I won't say irrelevant, but it's it's it, it feels it. Um, it's just not the same uh, atmosphere. It's not the same, you know. It's not the same for the players, but the supporters make it. And um, you know, the sooner the better we see them in. Obviously, you know, when it's safe to do so, it will be it'll be great for not just the players but for the supporters themselves to get back supporting their teams. So I, I would expect to see decent crowds at semi finals and final this year. You gonna to win tomorrow, Paul, briefly? Um I I don't think so. Uh, I think even though all the pressure is on Kerry to win this one, I think it's one of those must win games. Uh, I think they started the league uh, with a, a statement of intent and uh, I expect them to follow up with, with a victory tomorrow whether it'll be you know, a, a one point, three point, five point I think is irrelevant I think it, it, it needs a, a win for Kerry and uh, and I expect them to, to go and do that tomorrow Mike Frank, are you going to do it tomorrow? Yeah, I, I think we will um, I think it's very important that we do to be honest and we get a performance more importantly against Dublin um, but the thing with the Dublin team, they, they don't seem to do take days off either. So um, that's why it's going to be it's going to be a very close game tomorrow because Dublin won't lie down too easily tomorrow. But uh, I'm hoping Kerry will win. I, I expect him to win after last weekend. But um, it should make a great game and hopefully a good championship as well. Okay, we've got to leave it there. Colm Keys, Mike Frank Russell, and Paul Curran. Thanks so much for your insight and your expertise on the Saturday panel. And enjoy the match tomorrow. Thanks, guys. Thanks, John. Thank you, Mike. Off the ball Saturday on News Talk. We are back after this. The Saturday panel on Off the Ball. 
That was an OTB Podcast Network presentation. 